We'll have this discussion. Discussion? What discussion? This is a discussion. Combustion. Coming to you from Denver, Colorado, this is Discussion Combustion Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Batstone and Arthur Raw. Yo, man. Yeah, your chest looks nice, too. You've been working out, man. Yeah, dude, I do my, I do my bench presses. Nah, I just, you know, I try to keep in shape. That's good, man. I have lost a little bit of that since I've been in the boost business. Yeah. You know, just sitting around, not really moving as much and drinking too much beer. That bottom button's getting that test. You know, <laughs> it, it might fling off mid-up. We don't know yet. We'll have to, we'll just find out. I mean, I, I try to just do a little bit of something every day. Uh, ironically enough, uh, a couple days ago, I did a, a Johnny Sins workout. What I is that? Guys know. He's Johnny a, Sins? No. Johnny Sins. The, yes, that Johnny Sins, a, a famous porn star. Uh, he, you can probably you've probably seen him. He he's on the the step bro meme, like the okay. bald dude with the bulging eyes. I don't know if you've <laughs> seen that at all, but he has a just. I happen to find his uh, someone suggested sco- scooch in just a smidge, oh, please. Thank you. There we go. I found his YouTube channel, um, and he's got like a really impressive channel. Like, and he does a lot of positive like workouts just with the body, and talks about his life a little bit. And it's like, man, this is a really interesting man. That uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to hanging out with him. Well, for if sure. If I could get past the part that he's just banging for a living, but that's also amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's a good way to make a buck if it works for you. Yeah. You know, I wasn't blessed with that uh, ability to look that good on camera in that regard. Mm. So instead, I'm over here, you know, with my pants zipped up. But the fact remains, that he does a workout. I want to know more about this workout. So uh, the one I, I pulled up uh, was a, a yoga style workout, and it was. Um, it was simple. It was 20 sets of this. So you'd start off, breathe in, do a nice stretch. I, there's a, there's a move for all these, like the rising sun or something, but you, you put your arms all the way up. You have to synchronize your breathing with it. Then you go all the way down, touch your toes. And then you bring up and you put your hands on your knees and kind of stretch out your back, kind of feel the whole back pop out a little right. bit. Then you do, um, one set of lunges with each, you know, with each leg. And then you drop down to the floor, nice, slow push up down to the rising dog where you're just arching up your mid or your upper chest. Then you do what I call a stripper push up, where you put your legs apart and you have to bend. You got, it's like you're squeezing under a fence basically on the floor. Oh yeah. I, I don't know what okay. you're like arcing your back yeah, and exactly. doing the whole, like I'm sexy. Right. Exactly. Okay. And it like gets your whole, whole pec muscles. And after that, you, um, you hop on your back, you, um, you raise up with one leg, um, just like activate your glutes. And then you raise your whole leg and hip up and, uh, stick it straight up into the air and then come back down. You have to do that 20 times, not really rushing it, but just kind of as consistent as you can. Hmm. And I did it. And at first I was like, this is so stupid, but I, I figured I'd try it out because I just wanted to do something that was a little lighter, a little bit more flexible. And because Johnny Sins promoted it, and uh, sure enough, it was actually a really interesting workout. It was very. It was so you've very been sweaty. you've been doing it consistently. I do that workout probably once to twice a week. I'd hmm. say that's not all I do. I'm just saying that's something that I something like to, to work do. in. Yeah, just really light, really easy. Takes 20 minutes or less. It sounds like a lot of yoga poses, like in, in, like yeah. the terminology you're using. Right, and that's exactly. I think that's what he was going with. Or what he was going for is that it's sort of like a hot, not a hot yoga, but just like an intensive yoga-based workout. So it's still semi-intensive, but it's focusing on flexibility. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what you can do with just, um, you know, just your body and just going with, uh, like, integrating the yoga. calisthenics, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Like and it's just stretching, moving your own body weight. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I do push-ups every day, but not a ton. 
you know, and it's just a little checkbox that I can check. So yeah. a little checkbox you can check. Yeah, I, 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 I need to I need to keep checking those boxes though, man. Because yeah, just I, I do too. A couple push ups in one day is is all right, and I could feel the difference after months. But like, you know, you're not seeing that quick result is the thing. You yeah. know, and um, it's so easy to uh, get complacent, eating sugars, drinking mm. too much beer. Beers what does it for me, man. Eating the totally. chips and shit, like yeah, yeah. watching YouTube, eating pizza and burgers. Yeah, it's, it's carbs, man. It's so easy. It's, carbs and it's sugars. Easy. Right. You know, it's crazy. All right. You remember you remember when we were on the plane? Uh, I told you I was joking about how I was about – at the time, I just turned 30, right? And I was like, I just ran out of my immortality years. Uh-huh. And, like, it's all downhill from here. And you were like, nah, no, come on. I mean, you know, I'm still, I'm still on the peak. And at the time, I didn't believe you. I was just like, yeah, no, no man, I'm done. But arguably, I got to say that this year, be, turn, after turning 30, has got to be the most important, important year of my life. Okay. By far. What's it's, going on? Well, it's a lot of just just kind of self-reflection and maybe it's that old age and uh, sage wisdom all of a sudden I get of, you know, starting to take not not dramatic changes, but noticing little things in life. Uh, for example, I think everything has a choice now. I can choose to sink 12 beers if I wanted to um, or I can get a good night's sleep. Whereas before... Yeah, you can cheat in a lot of ways. This is when you know you're in your younger twenties. That's true. I think it's possible to do anything that you still want to do, but now a lot of it just becomes: Do you want to do this or do you want to do that? There is always a price to pay for your actions, especially when it comes to your body. And a lot of that mindset is kind of what's driving uh, why I say it's the most important year of my life because you know I'm, I'm starting to see new actions at work. Like, do I want to be able to work harder, learn more things and get promoted? Or do I want to be complacent with where I'm at now? Do I want to change some of my habits um, so I can improve my relationship with either my friends or my girlfriend or, or, you know, family or whatever, or do I want to keep it the same? I think a lot of yeah. people at this have this sort of diverging path of they either get cemented with their ways or they either get cemented with their ways, whatever those ways may be, or, um, they realize that they have the choice mm. to change something. I mean, and, that, and that's where it kind of comes is like, I started uh, really renovating my house a little bit more because I was sick of it being just a shithole bachelor pad area. You know, I, I mean, I have a couple of roommates and it's not like gross or anything, but it's like, no, oh, you know what? I want to get some more furniture. Mm. Yeah. I want to, you know, I want to finish this renovation project. Same with, um, and, and like with work, I think a lot of times, especially in engineering, people decide that they've just learned enough Maybe that's a little cynical, but like, oh, you, you went through hell and back in engineering school. You went through hell and back with your master's degree if you decided to go that route. And then you kind of get to this point where you don't really feel like you want to learn any more new skills. But in reality, you always have to keep trying to learn stuff. You have to adapt to the industry. And I disagree that it's like adapt or die, but it's just adapt or get pigeonholed mm. in a lot of – excuse me. No, get it out. Well, it's, we're, we're chugging yeah. some beers in here. It's, as it's always. okay. <laughs> as always. But yeah, well, the reflection, I think, I, it also came around 30 for me because mm-hmm. for in my early 20s, because Art's known me a long time. He's known me since I was 19, I think. I'm 33 now. It's a long time. I forget sometimes how long it's been. But Yeah, I used to – well, can I – I won't get in trouble now. But I used to buy him booze when he couldn't. Yeah, nice. that's, this Did is I true. get in trouble for that still? I don't. Know. I don't think so. I mean, this was this was allegedly right. Yeah, allegedly. Alleg- yeah I, I allegedly did that. <laughs> yeah, that did happen. So 
long time. No, allegedly happened. Allegedly it did happen. <laughs> right. Allegedly it did. Allegedly happen. did. Yeah. <laughs> it allegedly might have happened. But during that time, we were young, wild, and free, right? Just right. not a care in the world. Stay up till 4, go to work at 6.30. Mm-hmm. Can't do that anymore. Exactly. You know, and, and like self-reflection, you said you wanted to improve your house, you know, maybe work on your body a little bit. And for me, I didn't even get a professional haircut until I was 27. Right. And now I go every three weeks, shout out Susie, I'm going to see you in the morning. <laughs> right? Like, it's just those little adjustments. That's what I started to notice around that yes. 30 mark. Like, okay, you know, I want to take more pride in, not necessarily pride, but I want to appreciate things a little differently. Maybe I want to invest instead of blowing my money at a club or, you know, some dumb shit. I'm going to save up and buy me a nice new couch. Yeah. You know, something that that has a little bit more value to me, right? I feel like that came a little bit as I got closer to 30. And it's not even a bunch of – it's not even broad sweeping changes. Mm. It's it's refinement in your life, I think. And not to say that, you know, if you're an addict, you can change your life mm-hmm. at any point in time. Well, I, I mean with the right support and et cetera, et cetera. You know, you can always make sweeping changes for good or bad. But I think for the majority of people, it, it is – and for me – uh, personally, it's nothing's bad. I don't have any seething problems that I need to fix. Mm-hmm. Anything that's just life threatening or ju- or just or threatening my way of life, I should say. But I do see things, uh, uh, you know, like you know, I've I've been living in my house for four years. There's a, or just shy of four years. There's a lot of junk. Like I'm not. I I keep it clean, but like I can just see the accumulation of stuff in my closets that just go into the abyss and are never seen again, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I want to clean that up. I want to get my office to be a good minimalist workspace, Perfect. which I continue to suck at doing. Um, It's hard to do sometimes. Right. And the acceptance of you only have time to do so many things in a day. A hard one that I recently learned was that sometimes you have to know when to let go of certain relationships. Like mm. if you have some toxic friends in your life or something. I was just know. I was just about to say something like that, man. Because because yeah. once you start figuring yourself out and and you start figuring out what's like important to you, then you know you're cheating yourself if if you don't fulfill that because right. you know that right. And and if you're being honest with yourself, and so I'm at that same point where like I'm trimming the fat. Like if things if things aren't working for me and like it's not where my headspace is at and you know friends family all above everybody's susceptible to getting trimmed out if because i i need to surround myself with people that are go getters that are driving themselves that are working hard because that's that's what i need like i mm. can't i can't let my foot off the gas like <clears throat> i'm coming up on a year of sobriety uh from opiates right now and like life has changed for me and and like i won't ever be complacent like i was in the past and um and talking about like work and working and, and you know growing and constant growth and stuff like that, um, what I think about that is, is that it's it it's important because, I but it's all about a, a perception. I think the word work, like, is kind of negative. People, oh, I gotta work, I gotta work, I'm working, you know. So instead of that, I'm just telling myself I'm productive every day. Mm-hmm. Every single day I'm gonna be productive. If that's logging on to work for an hour and doing that or cleaning up or cleaning out the closet, throwing away some old shit that I haven't touched in two years. Look, if you haven't touched it, Darius, in a couple of years, yeah, it's time, time to just throw that shit out. Well, I am the worst about that. I will have stuff collect dust for thousands of years before I throw it away. <laughs> I would rather it sit there hoping that it becomes useful again than to throw it in the trash. I'm so bad about that. I've started giving, out, uh, giving away a lot of uh, older stuff that I have like – video game stuff like 
I, I just gave away a joystick um, and a desk lamp to one of my friends yesterday because I was like, I know I'm never going to use this. I mm-hmm. just replaced both these things and or a while ago or whatever, and you know, I'm, I know I'm never going to use this again. Yeah. So That's a good start. Right? I mean, you got to start small. you got to start small. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. I love the idea of minimalism. And that's one thing yeah. that's nice about moving, you know, if, if that's in the cards, is every time I move, I get rid of so much shit. Mm-hmm. To the point where, like, I got a roll-off dumpster one time when I was – that's how much shit I got rid of. Wow. You know, granted, old furniture I didn't want to take with, things of that nature. It was just easier. But when you have that availability to just throw anything you want in there, man, I'm, I'm about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have so much shit that I lugged around for years that literally would just go from closet to closet and never be utilized. Okay, so worst example of this is I had my bottom drawer in my dresser was my sock drawer. And that sock drawer was full, all right? And I had had socks in there since I was like 15. So I'd had socks. How did they not have holes in them? That I had had for like... Over 15 years. Holes. There's no way they lasted that long. I they mean, just didn't get worn. N- yeah, but you have so many pairs. And so, like, I started throwing out the socks. I started throwing throwing out all this shit, dude. And, like, some of it had sentimental value. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. And it's I threw, threw that away, too. And and the thing is, like, once you start decluttering physically, it, it helps your mental oh, declutter sure. as well. For because sure. you have less things to eat. Even though you might not know what it is or what the inventory is in the back of the closet, you still know there's shit in there. Mm-hmm. And then the second you remove that, it, it creates well, this this mental space that you can occupy and, with and grow else. with. And, and out of sight, out of mind comes into play too, right? You stuff it in the garage, you stuff it in the closet. You know it's there, but it's out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. right? It's not something that you're constantly looking at every day like, oh, I hate this decorative piece or this coffee table is a piece of shit. You know, that that's how I was for a while. I would just stuff it away to where I can't see it. And then literally the only time I would ever pull it out is when I went to move. Why am I lugging this shit around, you know? Yeah. But are you the type that pairs your socks? Do you, like, pair them up when you put them – when you're doing laundry? Do people – I'm just asking. I, let's let's open discussion you? here. Yes, like, I pair like, my well, – I yeah, paired paranormal? my socks. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You have to. I used to be I used to do that. I really did. I, I mean, I'm pretty to. sure it's illegal to not I don't do it anymore. Do that. And here's why. Because all your socks are the same? Correct. I buy the exact <laughs> same socks, rocking the Hanes or the Nike, so I, I know I can match them that way. Okay. So when I, when I, and I only wear black socks. Mm. I mean, dress socks, they have their own place. But in the sock drawer, everything's the same. So yeah. I can just reach in and grab, and I'll, I'll, you know, chances are I'm going to get the same. So I just I had to throw that out there. I'm not a person that rolls their socks. And it cut down my laundry time by maybe a minute and 47 seconds. I have Give, a, I have I mean, a that's fun game. a really good idea. Like, that is. I think I'm going to start doing that too. All right. Let's see, gonna, we're getting somewhere. All right, that's it. So when I get home, I'm going to toss out all my socks. I'm going to get like two or three racks from Costco and good to go. Done. <laughs> just the same ones. I, oh, I hate folding my socks. I should do the same thing with it's my socks. It's just time consuming. No, but, <laughs> no, but what wait, makes what makes get all the socks, same boxers? Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Kevin's closet. It's not just socks, but he has like. 15 pairs of identical pants Uh-oh. and shirts <laughs> and, like, jackets. <laughs> and he never has to fold anything. <laughs> just pick one clean – swap out a dirty one with a clean the one. He's good to go. Do the duck, baby. <laughs> oh, d- yeah? Hey, you might be giving me an idea here. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Just get 15 pairs of everything. <laughs> right. So, so to make sock folding more fun, one thing that I do is after I roll the socks, I have the drawer open, and you fucking free throw those bad boys in there. 
Yeah. Well, go. it depends if with the vicinity of where you're – because are you doing the laundry as it's coming out of the dryer? Because as I pull things out of the dryer, that's what I'm processing, right? This has to be hung up. This is going in the in the. Oh, dresser. see, I take the hot pile and, and dump it and then, no. and then get my shirts and, and get yeah. my shirts straight. I, I do it right out of the dryer. Yeah, I can't. My dryer's in my uh, basement. Like, I got okay. to go upstairs, you know? So. Yeah, so, yeah, there is some, some you know, logistical issues with that, I suppose. So how do you, how do you do your laundry, listeners? Let us know. <laughs> I mean, there has to be a better way than how I do it. I mean, I mean, is there, though? I don't know. If it works maybe for you, for maybe you. there isn't. I remember one time when I was a snarky asshole as a young person, and um, my girlfriend at the time, she was, like, uh, doing her laundry like she normally would. And she would take one shirt, and she would go hang that one shirt. And, and then, then come back to the dryer. Yeah, and then she would go back and then go. and then hey, I'll, exercise. And I'd be like, why, why don't you just, like, grab a bunch of hangers and then hang all your shirts and then hang them all up at once? Mm-hmm. She's like, that's not how I like to do it. And that was like my first <laughs> lesson in there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. You know? This yeah, is true. A lot of times you, you find out some, some good new ways. Sorry, I'm, just, I'm, I'm loving this rabbit hole that we got ourselves into. It's funny you never me. know what's going to happen with some beers on this show. Oh, my God. We're talking about sock rolling. I mean, sock come on. Rolling. All I know is laundry <laughs> is, look, look, I'll wear, I shower daily, all right? Every single day, for the most part, I might skip a day or two a week, but you heard it here first. I'll, I'll I'll wear a shirt two days because I'll be working at home. Like, what's the point? The shirt still smells good. Like, I'm trying to decrease my laundry usage. I'm trying to be greener for the planet, so I I rewear. But the the area where you can't rewear is is your underwear, right? Like, you don't want to rewear underwear or socks. No socks for sure, hundred percent underwear. Mm-hmm. I've I've gone a good forty eight. In the same pair, as long as I don't have any incidents, you know, right. if, if if I didn't have any, any tamales or something, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, any for me, incidents? it's like if I work out and then then it's off again. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you there's got there's a large amount of sweat. Swamp nuts. You can't yeah. get rid of that. Can't but here's the that. thing. That's illegal. Free plug. <laughs> free plug here. Dude wipes changed the game for me. I bought a whole case of those damn things. The mint ones too. You, you I'm mint. telling you right so now, you man. Had a minty asshole. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, it's like a eucalyptus mint, and I might have a minty asshole. I'm not real sure. We, you know. I haven't really taken a good a good whiff, good but <laughs> but it's nice on the go. Like if you're you know maybe worked out and like okay I don't have, it's it's like a good quick quick little cleanse. Mm. You know you just get in there and just kind of clean up some of the the debris if you will. Because I don't know about you guys, but dingleberries are an issue. I got a hairy asshole, and that's not that's not something I attend. You know I don't so shave your ass. Man. You think? Yeah, that scares wait, me. Wait, hold on. No, but gotta... do you have a hairy a, a, a forbidden forest down there? Is what I like to call it. This is going off the rails. All right, because oh here, here's the thing, is if you shave that mo- mofo and then it starts growing back in. It's coming back in two times stronger? Dude, it's just, it's very unpleasant. Like, you, you think about how the beard treats mm. you or, like, any of the regrowth hair areas, you know? The forbidden I forest. I don't know how true that really is. Like, I just shaved my chest for the first time, uh, like, last week, and so far, it's looking all right. So, I'm not <laughs> Did you take it down with a straight edge, like... Straight up, or did you like electric shave it? Oh uh, no, I used a straight edge. Okay. Well, no, actually, no, I didn't use a straight edge. I used a just a regular. Razor, okay. Like, go, go I was with, like, no, you're no. a madman. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sitting there like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh jeez. I've never been brave enough. When I got my first chest hair, I really embraced it. You know, all those mushrooms I ate. I get the the beef. You got to have the beef hanging out. You know. <laughs> right. I, I'm about it. I, I've never had the balls to shave my chest. So I did something that was against the label. And uh, this is when I was I was young. I was trying to impress girls. Oh, I know the story. And, and I felt like that having hair in, in the, that area in your ass crack was uh, <laughs> was extremely unattractive. 
So I nared my ass. Wow. <laughs> all right. I've never heard that phrasing before. All right. And that's Well, you one. remember nair, right? It, the hair removal? Yeah. It worked. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Darius, that you're in on this episode and we're talking about this. I'm not. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners, Didn't it that I'm hurt, telling you. Like, no, no. It's like an acidic. It's a wipe away. It oh, just, really? You, oh, you nair, put, nair. I'm yeah. thinking of like that stuff that, like the, the shampoo that like dissolves hair. Oh. Or whatever that crap. I don't How does it work, like, though? I mean, the nair. I don't. How does it remove the hair? It's just like, I think it's like micro. So it's like micro plucking the hair. It's like a really porous material, wow. right? Or something. And then it just like grabs onto the hair and like it just gently pluck, plucks it, on my shoes. It does, dude. Sure. No, because when I wiped it away, it was just like with a towel, like, and, and all of it came out clean, clean. Huh. And but so, what was the the end result? What, what did you have to deal with for the next week? I mean, that wasn't that bad for the next week. My, I mean, I, I hate saying all this on the air, but like, too late. We're here. You know, it's too late I, now, I feel yeah. like I feel like hair silences farts a little bit, okay? Because it, it gives you this extra stuff to work through. And um and and when the hair was missing, there was no like filter, so it was like whoop, and it like made this like it my I had bubbly farts, they like sounded more bubbly, and so now those girls with the big fat donkeys like I understand, I understand why it sounds like that, and that's okay. Hey, you know everyone's gonna have different sort of <laughs> flatulences, and I guess I don't know if hair would have an impact on that or not, but uh, I've never I've never I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm like still processing like. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm just still mad about it for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess we got on this because I have a dingleberry problem. So the world oh knows gosh. that. Not a, it's not a problem. It's just that the, the dude wipes help reduce the situation that occurs. And so so Darius is way smarter than us. Okay. We yes, just, we know that. Yeah, he's not way true. smarter than us. This, this man. Uh, we're, we're shifting gears. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, cha- we're changing. <laughs> are you sure? Subject. Are we are we really sure we've nailed this subject? I, I feel like I think this could go on for a while. Do you have any questions? No, but I will say I agree with Kevin. Like, I mean, it, you know, the the, behi- <laughs> the sanitariness of the behind is very important. It's crucial. Yes, it's it's, it's absolutely crucial. And like, you'd be surprised how much debris is in there. Yeah, you know, and like, it's. I hope the dude wipes are at least like uh, flushable. You know, they you are. Be careful. But see, if you own your home, you, I'm assuming you own your home. Yeah. You know, so in that, I rent. So for me, I'm kind of being that selfish ass. Like, that's someone else's problem. At this point, hopefully most of the modern apartments are, are adapted with their sewer system. Yeah, I would Mine hope so. Not. Mine's a little bit too old for that. Yeah, I so I would be cautious of that, you know, flushing. They say they're flushable, but if I own my own my own sewage system, I don't know that I would put them down there. Yeah. yeah. Then what do you do with them? speak from first hand that uh, don't – if you have a girlfriend that flushes feminine products down the toilet, uh, kindly ask them to stop doing that. Yeah, that that's, uh, happened to me like a couple years ago, and it I, caused an issue, huh? Oh, it caused a huge. It, well, was it, it like a, a thousands of dollar issue? No, it was more of a complete like the entire septic line to the sewer got stopped up, and oh. we were kind of in, in checkmate mode, and so it was. You're, did you start backing up? Is that how you knew there was an issue? Yeah, luckily it didn't overflow time. It did cause a little bit of flooding uh, downstairs, but we, uh, like, I had no choice because it was like we we were. We were stuck with no plumbing, basically. Yeah, and uh, so I had to just blow the six hundred dollar price to get a rotor rooter out there and just and just clean that sucker out. Yeah, our old yeah. host Jamie, the house we used to record in, he he does uh, you know pipe repair and stuff like that, and yeah. that's the number one thing he says is do not flush feminine products because you're going to end up like or any in of the wet situation. wipe stuff, any of the wet wipe, even if it says fl- you know flushing safe right. or whatever. It's it's, not. it's a gray area. Some of them are more degradable than well, others, but and it depends know. how like how much you overload it too, right? So like if right, you put right. one through and, and then just kind of run it, 
you know, a couple times, you know, and then you have some some fluids running through. If you're hammering it with dude wipes, I think, I mean, you're asking for trouble. Right, for sure. Yeah, that's all I have to say about it. You were saying how smart I was. <laughs> oh, I mean, this guy's epic. All right, so first of all, I met Darius. It's not Darius, it's Darius. Darius yeah. It's Darius. Darius. And I had, to, I had to, like, train myself to say it right. But I, I met you on an airplane. Uh, we were both flying out to Seattle, leaving Denver, and, um, and you were studying the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I, I love YouTube premium and I, uh, all of my lectures were, were on the app or I saved them onto the app. So I use up was like, I'm going to be on this plane ride for two and a half hours, three hours, whatever. Might as well just get some work caught up. And so I did. It was nice. And then, so, and, so we both put down our books. I was trying to read some mindful shit and, um, yeah, and then like we the started 30 minutes. We started like, chatting mm-hmm. and it, it, it was cool, man, because you know, we, we started talking a little bit of we're, why we're out in Seattle, this and that. And then, like, when we're coming back. Yeah, and, and that's it, when it kind of clicked. It was like, when's your flight? Wait, you guys flew out and back together? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, like, we, we just started uh, talking, and um, he mentioned that he was coming back on the same day I was. And uh, then I asked him, I was like, so when's your flight? And then, sure enough, we had the same flight. And then after that's that, crazy. we exchanged numbers. It was like fate. It was, it was. And then even more fate, we were like one of the last, uh, that weekend that we flew back to Denver was the same weekend that Southwest had that mysterious, magical. 2000 cancellations. Yeah, absolutely. The, we the, the weather that wasn't ever really found. It, right. That no one else had to deal with except for that airline for whatever reason. And Art and I were like one of the last planes to get out. And we still got delayed by two hours because they didn't have enough crew members oh, to wow. fly out and i guess they have to have a certain number of staff yeah, it's like six members or whatever yeah <laughs> turns out you have to have a minimum of two captains to fly the plane or whatever it was i don't know we were missing a flight attendant that's, that's what, what it was. was yeah and i guess like yeah. for safety reasons to man the emergency exits or whatever i i, I assume i'm making this up as i go that um, sounds legit. they have to have a full staff yeah so we ended up having two hours to kill and of course we're at an airport with nothing to do i guess we're gonna go to the bar and that's what we did. That's a great and, way to uh, be. Yeah, and then we just shot the shit, and that's how the podcast stuff came up. And I noticed it too on your shirt when we when you flew out. I honestly, my first impression was maybe he's going to like a YouTube convention or something. I was like, <laughs> maybe, maybe that this sounds about. He seems like uh, you know he's got the shirt, it's got the YouTube logo. Maybe he's going to. Like, oh, so, some sort so of I was flexing wearing the DCPC. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. And so that's where I got the, <laughs> the idea of like maybe he's going to a convention or something. And that was pretty much it. And until you brought it up, I think that was the first thing you asked me. It was like, so what are you studying? And then uh, you know, rest is history. And here we are. It's good it, stuff, man. It was epic. And and I know you have a, a airplane story as well. But um, yeah, dude, we we totally faded faded a lot at that at that airport bar. Got a nice oh, we tip were on. So bored like there was and, nothing to do and i'll like, always remember this story because on the on the the flight to seattle uh you were saying like how how you like had these uh you know you were you're taking shots or whatever you're drinking shots and i was like bro you got to hook me up on the way back and then and then darius like freaking remembered and and you're like trying to find a place oh, to yeah, buy shooters right. I was like, for I hours before the flight Right. I, I was, I, uh, I remember on our way back, I was like, I told Art I would get him a shooter, just like a, you know, just a symbolic thing. You know, I'm not hounded out of my way to grab drinks. It was just like, you know, I always like to, to, you told the something. guy, you know, yeah. you, you said it. Yeah. And so I was like, <laughs> and then I remembered, and I didn't even remember until like I got on the subway heading over to the airport and I was like, I got to get the shooter. Otherwise, 
I don't even know. It was just like felt like I had to because I told you I was going to do it. And then I ended up finding a liquor store right by the airport that I had to walk like a half or like a mile with my luggage. It was like right there. That's a serious commitment. I mean, I had to do it. Like I told them I was going to get them a shooter. And I went there with my luggage and I was like, can I get that shooter, please? And the lady was just like, "Uh, yeah, all right, here you go. And then I walked all the way back. Damn, it wasn't what? a mile. It was probably like half a mile or something. So a mile round trip. Yeah. Either way. It's a pretty good, you know, 52, 80 feet walking well, that important. for a shooter. I'm a man of my word. I want to be able to, you know, that's, you know, you, you, you earn respect. Like, yeah, yeah. That earned respect for sure. I was like, this man. It's a class act. Yeah. He, he fucking said something and he did it. <laughs> and you don't meet too many people that, that do what they say. Yeah. There's a lot of people talk excuses. a lot of game. Yeah. Yep. And there'd always be an excuse. Oh, I ran out of time. Sorry. I couldn't do that for you. No. Yeah, this no, man, no, no. this man trucked it a mile for a shooter. I know. So I just, I, I need to let you know, I still appreciated your efforts. I, to this day, oh, yeah. I still appreciate, appreciate those. <laughs> I appreciate those efforts, man. Hell yeah, man. No, it was, uh, it was fun. It was, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it all worked out. I also, while I was on my way there, I was like, how am I going to explain to people that I missed my flight because I was going to a freaking liquor store? Like, what am I going to do <laughs> for a if, shooter? Like, for whatever reason. I don't make it back, and I miss my flight. I was like, I'm going to be the stupidest idiot. Uh, then at least it got delayed. At least it so, got delayed. So, I mean, we were fine. We were both sitting in yeah. there waiting, and then all of a sudden. Then it got delayed. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were fine. Scotch-free. So, I mean, I guess the moral of the story to all that is, you know, you were studying. I was reading books, but we put down that, and then we didn't pick up our phones. <laughs> Excuse me. We actually talk to each other mm. and then we got to know each other and then we figured out so much like damn we're taking the same flight back hey let's exchange phone numbers and and like all this came from being aware of of our environment and, and like and so look there's a bunch of weird people in the world i get that there's a bunch of sketchy people in the world but you know i let's put down our phones a little bit and let's right. let's experience See, life. let's meet some new people i mean like if if we didn't chat then this conversation wouldn't be happening and you know, it's 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 awesome. I mean, you have a great energy, and um, it's amazing what could do what, what what we could all find if we put down our phones a little bit. For sure, for so, sure, so true. And and all it started with you just uh, asking me, like, so uh, what are you uh, what are you studying over there? That's was not that, what you that said. It? That was not that's not what you said. That's me paraphrasing. It was just like, what are you uh, what are you working on? That's what it was. Yeah. And then we just kind of got into it. So it's it's crazy. Um, those serendipitous moments are incredible and pretty rare for me, honestly. So they are rare. It's, it it's, I would a, say once in a lifetime, but meeting people in an airport is a unique experience because I've met. Sure. I mean, I fly a lot. You know, I talk to a lot of people, but very rarely. That's as far you know. That's as far as it goes. It's mm-hmm. very rare that I continue to have a conversation with this person. And so my other podcast, Mash the Gas Podcast, which we're starting next week, all you NASCAR Everybody got to check that out, Mash the Gas Podcast. We're, we're it's, back. It's a banger. We're back. We're making some improvements. It's going to be fantastic. So my co-host, Jeff Davis from Dallas, Texas, we met in an airport. We were both at a NASCAR race, Kansas City, Missouri, and we were flying back. I had a Jeff Gordon hat on the plane, sunglasses on because I was hungover, and that's usually my sign, don't sit with me on Southwest. <laughs> I'm just, fuck off. Mode. Yeah, go away. And, and then he was wearing a Gordon hat, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll talk racing on this flight. Here we are, eight, ten years later, great friends, co-hosts of a podcast. Wow. So you just never know who you're going to meet in an airplane. I mean, that's that's the fun thing, or really anywhere in life. But it seems like airports, you know, everyone's traveling, so there's experiences to talk about. You know, you're getting out into the world, whether it's for business or for leisure. And I just think it's fun, man. And so to echo off your point, putting your phone down, have a conversation with the person next to you. And, you know, sometimes we don't want to. You got your earbuds right. in and just you don't want to talk to people. But, hey, I think it's a fantastic Pretty experience. Good environment. A lot of people, a lot of waiting. Mm-hmm. What else are you going to do? Well, generally, like if people are on on a flight, like 
you know, they normally will have money to afford that flight. Mm -hmm. They are outgoing enough to want to experience something new. You know, so so it's not like you're not dealing with like the uh, the the neckbeards of the world that just you know are are judging everybody else while not doing anything. You know what I'm saying? Like people who are traveling are, are more than likely going to be doing stuff that is fun. Right. Yeah. Generally speaking, and even if it is for work, it's it's fun to because like I, I my comp, my old company flew me out to Philadelphia for six weeks. Right. So I'm going out there to work. What a great experience. Mm-hmm. You know. So even if it isn't for leisure, it could still That's be a true. fun time. That's true. You know. So, uh, yeah, I guess the fact remains is put down your phones, talk to some people. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. A little bit of socializing can go a long ways. A couple months later, you might that's be crazy. on a podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, this is a dream come, tr- dream come true. Well, that's cool, man. I appreciate you coming out and having some beers with us. So Absolutely. We talked about, you know, our hairy asses and sock rolling and plane trips. <laughs> yeah, let's, really talk, let's talk about the, 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 the brains agenda. behind uh, Darius <laughs> over here. And, you know, I know you can loosely, you know, what you do for a living. There, there's obviously some... Some yeah. things we can't discuss, but tell us a little bit about what, what's going on. Sure, sure. So um, I've been at Lockheed Martin as a RF and 10 engineer for six years now. Um, I've worked in, mostly in just uh, – well, I work for the space systems team. So anything related – anything that gets shot in orbit more or less, um, which is different from like deep space or um, like any sort of uh, flight instrumentation that's on the ground. So like – so mainly like GPS satellites Bingo. that are in orbit. Yep, you mm-hmm. got it. Anything that goes into orbit around Earth is okay. stuff that I have potentially touched. Uh, Tremendous. And so with the Space System Group, um, in a nutshell, I do a lot of analysis and building work with just the uh, radio frequency side of things. Anything that requires transmission, uh, whether it's the antennas that get stuck on the thing, Stuck on said device, whatever that's being shot into space um, or any sort of payload. That's just in the realm of what I usually do. Uh, then I, I was a CP for um, a good amount of time, too. That was an interesting experience. Um, sorry, that's a, a cert- certified principal engineer. And what Actually, is it? Sorry, what is it? Uh, sorry, just your shirt. The Real-Time Options Academy. Mm-hmm. That's like, is that like a side thing oh, you're doing too? Or yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm so, sorry, I'm I'm so ADD, man. No, I no, cut no, you no, off there no, no, and no, asked about the shirt. God, you're you're good, you're good. We'll we'll circle back to that a little later uh, if you guys are interested. But um, the shirt is Real Time Options Academy. Um, it's just kind of a side gig that I do. I didn't start this. This was actually a friend of mine uh, that I met at Lockheed who ended up becoming my mentor for uh, options trading, net options selling. Actually, um, he's very experienced in the field. Uh, and ironically, he, he, he's a kind of guy that, um, in a sense, Lockheed Martin was, um, well, like I, he, he puts so much effort into both his job and then this side, side gig in a lot of ways, I would almost argue that, that Lockheed is his side gig in a sense. Hmm. But, um, I mean, just with the amount of effort that he, or commitment that he has to both, he's a brilliant engineer. Um, and, uh, he started up this company and I'm not a partner with him, but I'm, I was more or less kind of a, a mentee. He sort of mentioned me in, in net option selling in his strategies and got me involved with just developing this um, academy, if you will. Hmm. And so it's a little bit more than just, I mean, it's, it's, it's changing. Right now it is real-time options. You can go to it at uh, rtoptionsacademy.com if you're interested. Um, it's really geared towards uh, a little bit of the academic side, teaching people how to do net options selling. Um, 
uh, as well as just a, a lot of different trades that like a lot of different trades around the options world. Specifically, like the the fundamental strategies that they go with are. It's not like you're you're not you're not counting cards at the blackjack table. You're the house. The odds are always in your favor, no matter what game you're playing. That's the kind of statistical based trading that they're going with. They have certain strategies that that give traders the statistical advantage, um, along with some skill and knowledge. Obviously, there's no way you can just do this off numbers alone, right? A little bit of news, a little bit of this, that. Sometimes you get unlucky, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea behind it is that you are, you have control, you have a controlled, you have, excuse me, you have a lot more controlled over, control over your rate of gain. You can, um, you know, it doesn't matter if the market is going up or down. Um, you can keep a, a continuous climb in profits. No matter what's happening, you can. If the trade doesn't go your way, you can adjust and compensate for it. If the trade does go your way, fantastic, you just made money. And so it's kind of like this style of instead of just, I mean, you have a million people that do this, right? Newsletters that like want to fart out stock news and tell you buy a, sh- a shit ton of this or do that, so on and so forth. Um, with this, it's more taking. Like you want to listen to the numbers, not the noise, mm-hmm. and it's it's probabilistic trading with a spin to it. I think it's there's a lot of um, I've learned so much through this program, uh, and there's God, what else to say? I mean, it's it's I mean, I mean personally speaking, without shilling it too much, like it's made me a good amount of money, but. Um, that's what everybody wanted to know. Yeah, everyone, yeah, of course. <laughs> Has it made me money? Absolutely. Nope, just kidding. I lost my house, my family. <laughs> it, it's ruined. No, it's been an excellent um, – it's been an excellent system really for just looking at controlled gains. Um, I mean you guys know – you guys are familiar with options or just option trading? Yeah, I mean I've, I've dabbled a little bit with options trading. I'm more into uh, crypto stocks, mutual funds, ETFs. That's, gotcha. that's, that's what I trade You know, based on you know support resistance lines, RSIs. Mm-hmm. Those are my indicators that I use to trade. So options for me, I, know I understand the put and the calls, but I've never really dove too deep into that world. It would be something I'd be interested in though. It's, it's pretty cool. A lot of people are scared of options trading, and I think it's because – most people just understand them at the bare bones of a naked call and naked put, which are you make a you can make so much money if it goes your favor, or it can be absolutely devastating if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the analogy I always like to use, and kind of what I do is say, so Art, you're uh, um, you're the seller, I'm the buyer. Let's say I have a house, okay? The house is worth, and I'm just pulling these numbers out of my ass, but the house is worth five hundred grand. And Art comes along and says, hey, Dart, uh, I'll tell you what. I will give you $10,000, and in exchange, you will agree to sell me the house at 550k in three months if the price of the house goes to 550 or above. So three months goes by. Turns out a really nice elementary school gets built right next to the house. Equity skyrockets through the roof. Three months is not enough time for this. This is not realistic. Pay attention to the metaphor. Um, now the house value is 600000 So now Art's contract has been fulfilled. He gave me the ten grand. The ten grand is mine. It's mine forever. But now he comes back after three months and says, hey, the contract has expired. The price of the house is at or above what we pitched earlier. Pay up, bitch. And at that point, I have to sell Art the house at five fifty. 
even though the equity is six or seven, who cares? I have to sell it to him at the agreed price. So in this case, Arch just made a ton of money. All right. Well, really, he made fifty thousand. Um, if if house value is five fifty and he bought or house value is yeah. six and he bought it at five fifty, you get the idea. Right. He made a ton of money. I'm screwed in this situation. But like that's the the gist of what that's a call right there. Art just sold me a call contract. Um, the exact opposite is the case for a put. Uh, the analogy kind of falls apart there, but you get the idea. Yeah, same thing, essentially opposite, right? So right, right. You're saying, okay, now it's going to come down in value by this time, mm-hmm. right? Almost like short in the market, right? right? This this stock is going to tank X amount of dollars by time, you know, in this time frame. Exactly. Okay. And now the difference, the only uh, to kind of wrap up the the what happens is in no point during trading through Real Times Options Academy does anyone get screwed because when if we go back to the house analogy say I buy a contract from art at the same time maybe I'm selling a contract to you Kevin at $500 value higher or lower so that at, at one point in time I'm both buying and selling a contract which means no matter which way the price goes the net difference is $500. Okay. So that's the most I can lose because if one contract busts and I'm out of money or is in the money and has to get executed, the other one busts and I can sell both as a net value basically. It's kind of like a – it's like it doesn't matter what the value of the contract is, but the one thing that's certain is that the contract price between them is $500. This is kind of breaking apart a little bit. My point is that there's safeguards hmm. in place. Okay. So what it ends up being for these scenarios is – you know, I make per deal, per option, contract, bundle, option burrito, if you will. Option um, burrito. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm either going to make $150 or more, or I'm going to lose 500 And the strategy is about reducing the percentage chance of me losing that 500 every time. So, you know, you do the math. I'm not saying it's always 150. It might be 200, 300, whatever. My point is, is that you, you end up through the strategy, you are reducing your risk as much as possible so that you always, you maximize, you maximize your chances of gaining money and you minimize your risk. Even if you're going to lose 500, you can do certain things to make that max risk 400, 300, 200. So the point that your earnings will go over your law or your earnings will far exceed your losses. So it's very active and this isn't anything new, um, but it's, it's just a cool new dynamic system and they're moving to a new platform called new Phoenix, um, which we can put a link in or something if we want to, that's uh, to rebrand it away uh, to make it a little bit more of less just an academic uh, thing. Cause it's really like, I haven't made a ton of money. It hasn't changed my life. Well, I have made a ton of money, but it hasn't changed my life or anything, but w- they're shifting away from just an academic standpoint and moving more towards the technology side, having your own platform that you can monitor your trades, see your history, analyze your do analysis on the correlation between which stocks are you in, which options are you in, you know, are do you have risk? Are you too much in the tech side, oil, et cetera? Minimize risk to your profile. It's really exciting stuff, and I really just want it to succeed. Um, you know, I'm not a partner in this or anything. You know, if anything, I'm just a student, kind of the one of the first people that I well after after this. he hears this plug, hopefully you're going to have a leg to stand on there. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. I, li- I like I the sounds boat. of it. It's very interesting. It's just it's a little bit. I personally, again, what I said before, don't listen to 
the noise, listen to the numbers. Exactly. And boy, oh boy, does that decrease my stress a lot. There's no crystal ball. I don't have to watch the news every day. Right. You're looking at direct correlation numbers and indicators are part of that for sure. Of course. You know, but indicators more or less reinforce your decision, not dictate your choice. Yeah, that's a good point. So, that's a good way to word it. When mm-hmm. I did I did a stock trading class earlier this year, which was really just focused on day trading kind of thing, swing trading, learning how to read the RSI, learn, looking at what yeah. the MACD is doing, you know, and, and, you know, buying off of support and selling into resistance, right? Mm-hmm. The, the basic fundamentals of stock trading. The option stuff I've never dabbled with. I've ne- I don't have enough, you know, knowledge on it to be confident to put down, you know, a put or a call in, in, in any situation. So real-time options academy might be something that I check out. It's uh, it's cool stuff, and I mean, you're right to have some fear to it. You remember? Did you guys ever uh, hear about that poor kid from on Robinhood? This poor sap. Um, I shouldn't say that. It's disrespectful. This poor kid. Um, I he had an options call on it, and there was some sort of rig in the system because an op in um, if you do say a put call, you can make a set amount of gains, but you have infinite risk. You could lose all your money if the stock goes to zero or infinity depending on the type that you put on there and this guy had a options call that for whatever reason it wasn't safeguarded on Robinhood or it presented itself as it wasn't safeguarded because in Robinhood you have to front the cash for your options so that if anyone like going back to the house analogy if art is like hey you got to pay up I have the money already it's already secured it's already secured I can pay it up Uh, in this situation I believe what happened is it just either glitched or it just didn't register properly and he had a balance of like negative two hundred thousand dollars oh man and he killed himself so he blew up his account oh, he no. blew up his account and then he committed suicide oh wow. this was a major story i think i do um, remember this now Jeez. this was a few i don't think it was a less than a year ago i want to say I, I forgot exactly when it was but it's like it's terrible yeah and so obviously it's a shame and it's a tragedy because it was a you know it was an honest mistake, but like that sort of that sort of infinite loss is is real. Oh yeah. If you decide to trade a naked option like that, you can be in big trouble. And so, um, I mean, it's right for you to be careful with it because it's one of those things that if you're irresponsible with it, you can lose a lot of money. And I almost feel like you know sometimes Weeble and some of these platforms incentivize because they'll give you two, three, four times you know, leverage, mm-hmm. right? And so people go, oh, wow, I can take my 1,000 and, and turn that into 4,000 yep. and go ahead and buy because they're going to give you that leeway. But if you lose that, guess what? You know, that's on you. Yeah, so, exactly. And that's how a lot of these guys make money. You know, they attack because anybody can trade now, right? That's the difference between, you know, the, right. when the NYSE was just, you had to be a stock trader. Anyone can do trading now, whether it's TD Ameritrade, Weeble, Robinhood. Yeah. And that's, I think it's fantastic. Right. right. You're over 18. Is it 18 or 21 for stock trading? I actually forgot. You know what? I don't know I don't the answer to that. 18. 18 would make sense That's to what me. I think. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to fact check that. If you're if you're at the uh, required age and you have a bank account, you can almost certainly start trading. And I mean, it makes sense, right? It's really cool. As long as you're paying, you know, paying it. your capital gains and, and and you know, dotting your eyes, crossing your teeth, so to speak. I think it's fantastic. I got into it right as the pandemic hit, so I started trading. Mm. And, and for me, it was I had a good buddy that was like, "Hey, man, this is you know, with this coming, the, you know, the S and P five hundred is getting ready to tank." Mm-hmm. It ended up dropping twenty points, so we sold everything into a stable, you know, principal preservation account, and then bought back in at the bottom and saw a thirty-three percent return on investment and within months, right? And so at, it was at that moment that I said, "Wait a second, if we can do that, there's got to be a way that I can outperform the market by just simple day trades." Yeah. 
And I was really active with it. It's I, I'm too busy now to sit there and watch charts all day and stuff. So that's where I feel like options trading and, and you know long holds might be a better option. So I'm going to look into that, man. And we'll talk more about that off mic, yeah, too. Yeah, that's, that's super sure, interesting. Sure. Um, I haven't quite gotten into trading, but I always feel like whenever I have these conversations, hear people talking about them, that, like, I, I'm missing out on it. But there's, a, there, but there's that risk, Bomo. though, too. There's that risk there, too. You know, you could lose money. Um, but definitely going back to the day job, all right? So, so so radio frequency engineer, an RF engineer for anything that's in orbit. So like GPS, Mm -hmm. all right. So there's communications happening from like the satellite to like the cell tower to the phone. Mm -hmm. So is that RF? Is that considered RF? That's radio frequency in a nutshell, nutshell, sir. So I'm dealing with the antenna part of just like how to effectively broadcast the signal and add a efficient enough power to get to the spot it needs to the cell tower or any sort of a region on the, from uh, the, from the or- satellite. Okay. Yeah, that's or receive said signal. It goes both ways, right? Hmm. You either are um, like you have to deal with both. I mean, for antennas, uh, transmitting and receiving, if it's from the same same antenna, is you know synonymous. You can have. Um, you can have a receive signal or uh, you can transmit it depending on the polarization. And so there's all different kinds of antennas, all different kinds of, um, all different kinds of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Darn it. <laughs> all different kinds of to, uh, geometries that you can use. And it all depends on just what the application is going to be. If you're going to, if you need like a lot of power in one location, like a singular location, mm. or if you want to transmit to like half the nation, mm-hmm. and that's really where it, um, that's, that's really what, what goes into it. So yeah, there's a lot of different stuff where there's GPS, telecommunications, military purpose. I mean, like, I remember I, I read this in a, in one of my old textbooks about how, um, uh, radio frequency like and just transmitting Morse code was around when the Titanic was was uh, when it sunk and that uh, there was a ship within I think it was two miles of the Titanic of the Titanic maybe a little bit more it was within like rescue let's say it's it was within rescue range hmm. but because they were sending out SOSs and flares and whatnot right? they had flares but they did not have a transmitter that, okay that they could um, do any sort of SOS with that okay and so it's like it's a shame I mean it's not like they were ignorant this was brand new technology but the reality yeah. of it is that it was it was within their capability at the time um, and so there's a lot of applications with it. My personal opinion is that if, if anyone is going into electrical engineering right now for their bachelors, for any of the younger listeners, younger, I can't believe I'm saying that, good Lord. But like Look, 30. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm 30 boys. It I think it's worth looking into. My personal uh, draft picks would be uh, radio frequency engineering in the field of um, electrical engineering as a well. whole. Radio frequency engineering, uh, power electronic systems, um, or computer engineering. A lot of places call it just computer engineering, like not coding, but just the actual manufacturing and design of any sort of electrical components specifically meant for computers. And that can go as deep as like semiconductor sciences or this and that, but like that's, that's a whole nother universe. Wow. Those are my picks. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because what you're talking about is something that Every single human utilizes radio frequencies today. Oh, yeah. Like, it's essential. It's, it's like a thankless – it's almost like a behind the curtain, but 
you wouldn't even have the curtain if it didn't exist sort of thing. Yeah. Like, because, like, that's almost the basis to all of the type of technology that we have nowadays. Like, 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 like let's say... Um, it's the reason why we all have libraries in our pockets right now. Yeah. Infinite information on the web. Like, you're, you're, right you're FaceTiming someone in Europe. Yeah. Right? That's radio frequency, right? Yeah. I mean, you're transmitting off either into Wi-Fi. In one way, like, in essence, radio frequency is just transmitting energy across like uh, across free space without any sort of wires or anything. doesn't matter if it's Wi-Fi, cellular signals, or a laser. Technically speaking, it's all the same thing. It's all in this broad spectrum of wireless. And, that, and then you have different frequencies that categorizes what's what, right? But um, in a, all of it is under the umbrella of wireless electronics. And so mm-hmm. for me, I focus on the antenna portion of that mostly. I mean, I branch out to other things depending on the situation mm-hmm. uh, but it's a really interesting science and it's going to be here for a while that and power systems which is just you know regulating power to any device ever car laptop light bulb energy efficiency all that kind of stuff yeah those are my two big ones i use ironically when i got into engineering electrical engineering i wanted to get into renewables and i decided against it like halfway through after learning about it i just kind of lost interest mm-hmm. not that it's not i mean it's a very important science and i i did some some research on um, on some solar panel solar panel systems. Uh, it just wasn't. I don't know. Wasn't, I don't know. I don't know how to say for it. You. it just wasn't working for me, you know. Yeah. And it still has a long way to go to become really, really. Vi- I mean, I should at the time still had a long way to go. Um, I graduated in 2015, and I know it's absolutely blown up since then. And it, you know, but it still yeah. accounts for a small percentage of the overall power for renewable energy. You know? Yeah, that's why I haven't even bothered looking into getting a Tesla. Why would I? Most of Colorado's power is coal generated. Still, why the hell do I care? Unless I have a solar panel on my roof, it's pointless. You know, I'm just yeah. I'm transmitting over my greenhouse gas to somewhere else hmm. instead of eliminating yeah. it completely. I would agree with you to to a pretty good extent. And I have a follow up question regarding where a lot of these satellites lie. So. Is it in the ionosphere? Is that kind of where a lot of these radio satellites, you know, circulate the Earth about ninety thousand, hundred thousand feet up, or is it higher than that? It depends on the satellite and like how, what its lifetime is. Mm-hmm. So, for example, CubeSats, small little satellites, can be dozens of them. This is you guys know about Starlink from uh, SpaceX. It's like their their whole shtick is they want to launch a, just a grid of satellites, various elevations, in order to give broadband internet across the globe or most of it okay okay so you can instead the idea is that instead of and i'll circle back to your point here i'm um the whole point is that you can transmit from laptop or a dish or whatever enough power for a broadband internet connection hits one of the thousands of cubesats in the sky um they're actually not cubesats i but whatever cubesat small ass satellites if you will (laughs) um now, how big is a small-ass satellite, like a size of a Volkswagen Bug from back in the day? I'd say they could be as small as this desk, honestly. Oh, okay. Um, it, it, again, it depends on, like, what their lifetime is. Are they just there to collect data and then fall out of the sky? Or, you know, are they there to stay for generations, you know? Um, it's also a matter of if they're going to be in orbit or going to deep space. Like, all these factors. It's it just there's so many different variables when it comes to what are you – pushing out into space these days now is deep space but, um, anything outside of our solar system i i mean i use it loosely but for example the juno uh the juno probe satellite which is orbiting jupiter is considered deep space okay my understanding okay back to um 
back to your question, Kevin, though, it was um, like in that situation for uh, Starlink, you you have a broadband connection uploading to a satellite, which then uses laser com, which is just like laser frequency to just ping each satellite in the grid over until it reaches one that's over the downlink point of say mm-hmm. in Europe or something if you're transmitting here and then beaming it down the information has then been received okay and this idea is that it's faster to do this than to use sea cables across the Atlantic to transmit the same data and so in this situation though the satellites have to be fairly low orbit relatively speaking um, in order to be able to transmit that fast. Makes but sense. Too low orbit, then they burn up too quickly and you lose out on money. Alternatively, for like a geosynchronous satellite, I'm, uh, that, you know, something that, that's like will rotate with the Earth uh, or will, will rotate at the same angular velocities or so we'll say it'll always be over North America. That's got to be so far away because of how ridiculously fast it's got to go in order to match the Earth's speed. Yeah. And so that's going to be like 150,000 kilometers out or something like that. Okay. And I'm giving out broad numbers because it's all subjective. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And there's certain elevations that are classified or just for military purposes. There's other that's for commercial. I mean, it's it's crazy. You know how much like trash is up there right now. Oh, know? yeah. The, the space debris. Like that's one thing I wanted to talk about because, you know, you're talking about putting like this whole Starlink thing and putting all these satellites out there mm-hmm. and like – the more stuff that you put in orbit around the earth, if anything, like, even if it's like, did I say 150,000, that might be a little bit too much. I think it might be between 53,000, whatever. It's far. Okay. Okay. But but like with all this space debris, like it it can make it impossible to even launch another satellite eventually. That's a, yeah, it's called the Kuiper effect. Um, And it's, oh, sorry. It's called the Kuiper effect. It's, the idea of there being so much debris in the sky or in, in over Earth's orbit that it makes it impossible to get anything out. Or you have this catastrophic collision event like in the movie Gravity mm. where thing like because if you have something collide with one thing, I mean, in that movie, it makes it seem like literally everything is just on one ring around the Earth, which is obviously not the case. But the the concept is still true. It's that if you have so much debris, you can no longer exit the atmosphere without any risk of, of having a collision. Sure. Or And it's really like if one thing does collide with another, it's not the fact that you lose those satellites. It's that you, you instead of two massive objects, you now have hundreds of basically bullet speed or de- pieces of debris traveling at the speed of bullets now going around in orbit. I mean, the ISS got hit by, like, a piece of insulation paint that penetrated through seven of its holes, I think. Wow. It's crazy. I mean, you got – it's all relative. When there's no air resistant, air resistance, this shit will travel faster than bullets. Yeah. You know? So we're talking well over, I mean, in some instances, 3,000 feet a second. Easily. If we're using that, you know, analogy. I mean, there's no – and it's all relative. Like, the only reason that it's very rare is because, like, the you know, the International Space Station or anything – they're all traveling the same speed, so or not that same speed, but like they're all kind of doing speeds relative to that to stay in orbit. Mm-hmm. You know, even the ISS has to do occasional burns. That means like like they have to light their engines in order to increase their altitude slightly because they're they're ever so just bits of particle of atmosphere slow them down from friction. That makes sense. So they have to use like a little bit of thrust to yeah, accelerate. Yeah, they, they, recor- they have to recorrect their altitude. Wow, yeah. that's pretty interesting. There's man. so much you know? that goes into it, man, oh, from the radio crazy. frequencies to 
the protect like you know just thinking about okay like the small piece of debris could completely wreck my entire operation yeah your facebook's gone like this and that's it's that'll crazy, grind man. the world to a halt if that mm-hmm. happens it's crazy that's that's the crazy part is that we are so reliant on it now this technology you know whether that be zoom right let's look at zoom for for example i mean that's connecting people all over the world for important business meetings or oh, yeah. doctors or what have you there, it's it's such an essential operation to what we do day to day if something were to go wrong, like Facebook going down, we see what happens. Twitter goes down, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. Man, it's like everybody loses their mind. Everybody loses their mind. <laughs> it's why, like, it's why a CPE job exists, a certified principal engineer job. This is something that this is the other half of something I did for about a year. But I thought it was, yeah, more or less a year. It was a very interesting aspect. Certified principal engineer, uh, and every company has this job title. I, let me rephrase that. I was not a certified principal engineer. I was a delegate. An actual certified principal engineer is a high level, been in the business for a long time. But the, okay. the concept of that instead of design engineering is being the guy that stamps off on data. It says, I, as the engineer, or in this case, as a delegate guy, I am responsible for this data. I'm looking at it. I say that it's good and I'm going to give it my approval. And you think it's kind of meticulous because it is. It's supposed to be. And... In space, this all is extremely important because there's so little room. Like, there's so little room for error that if something goes wrong, it's all done. You're going to mm-hmm. lose your satellite. You're going to lose lives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this all started in 1986. The Challenger disaster was kind of what kicked this off because, you know, uh, shuttle blew up. I think it was uh, 30 sec- 37 seconds after launch, seven lives lost. Arguably one of the worst tragedies. I, I watched in space. the documentary, but like I, I forget what no, good. what caused it to. So again. it was a piece called an O-ring. This was a sealant that was on one of the propellant tanks, and the the chief engineers at the time were well aware that, or, or expressed their caution, or excuse me, expressed their concern that it was too cold to fly. That this was beyond the tolerance of this sealant ring. And the real tragedy of the Challenger was that is that it, it director influence and media influence basically like you know this like avoiding this being a national embarrassment instead it became a national tragedy uh, was that this was a well known fact this was documented engineers had expressed concern that this is beyond the tolerance of this part and influence from from the director level and beyond, basically ruled it out and said, we got to go. We should launch. It's going to be okay. And sure enough, it was too cold, ruptured, fuel blew up, or the propellant. I think it was propellant. Um, I'm almost positive it was, a, it was the propellant tank caused an explosion. You know, the whole thing's going at like Mach 5 or I don't know. I don't know. It was going at launch speed. The whole thing disintegrates. They say, they wow. say in the streets, they say, damn fast. Damn fast is, is the correct <laughs> analogy. Yeah. And so from that incident, like the true tragedy besides the lives lost was that influence from all ex- exterior motives got in the way of engineering discipline. Mm. And it caused a complete tragedy. And mm-hmm. that's what helped bring in this area of like CPEs or what p- other companies call an equivalent of of just, you know, looking over work and checking it, stamping it off. I mean, that exists in the past. The difference now is is that in most space industries, the engineer has the authority. 
I can stamp off on something and call it a day. If I see a problem, my my higher up does not have the authority to say it's good, just pass it on. It instead, I have the ability as the engineer to elevate it if I want to in extreme cases. And obviously you gotta be, this never happens because like this is a serious issue. Obviously scheduling is important. So it's not really like you're threatened against doing it. It's just that, you know, you better be convicted with what you're looking at because, you know, engineers now have the ability to halt schedule. Mm-hmm. Like this is not right. And I will not stamp off on this and I will elevate it over to just a higher authority. Basically. Well, um, I, I want, and like it forces the system forces your issue at the highest level, which again is kind of like challenger level of you believe that this is just, this isn't a fluke. It's not an anomaly. You can't retest. There's something seriously wrong. Um, and then it goes to a higher committee to review and then it's not passed on. Even if schedule is halted, Hmm. um, it's going to get reviewed. So that's, that's sort of the safe back and why like Lockheed and a lot of, um, these space companies have such high success rates with their launches, whether it's human lives or billions of dollars up in the sky, you know, there's it's, it really is that dotting your eyes and crossing the queues. All that kind of good jazz. <laughs> yeah. Crossing the queue. Crossing, there's still, you know, there's a queue there's in there. Right? You cross it. The you do cross <laughs> the queue. I haven't heard that one. I kind of like that. Yeah. I don't know. I never used that phrase before until recently. It's now so now all the DCPC listeners are going to start crossing queues. <laughs> we're like, where the fuck did this dot and eyes crossing queue shit come from? Hey. I need dots. Queues need the cross. This That's true. Otherwise, it's no. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, okay. it's no. That's, we, need, we need to define the difference. And um, I was going to ask you, have you seen uh, Don't Look Up yet? I have not seen it. I've watched a couple clips on YouTube. Okay. I think it's an interesting concept. I, don't, I, I liked it. Yeah? I, I did. It, it's not typically a movie I would put on. For one, Leonardo DiCaprio is a fantastic actor. Yeah. And I really, really thought he played this role extremely well. Bless this man for getting an Academy Award for Reverend. That was a good movie. Also a fantastic movie. I remember seeing that in theaters and that Reverend, bear. Yeah. The, I mean, the bear scene. Oh. Intense. It was, yeah, you would cringe. Just like, it really felt like there was a man. It would be like if there was a man in this room just getting mauled by a bear. Just, oh. Yeah. It. They did a really good job putting putting someone in that scenario. You really felt it. Mm. Like, what it, the, the terror that it would be like in that moment. But So if you haven't seen it, no spoilers for the listeners. I recommend watching it because I really think it, it highlights. It, what reminded me of it is, is when you talk about how they went forward with the launch anyway, even though there was cause for concern, mm-hmm. right? Because they, they, they wanted the ratings, whatever the case may be. There's always other outside influences. And I feel like Don't Look Up did a great job at kind of showing what the media does, you know, what the political side of it. You know, these, these scientists have discovered something, they're bringing it, and they're trying to make it public. And it's like, well, you know, is this really what we want to be freaking everyone out about? You know, in a nutshell, you've, yeah. seen, you've seen the trailer. And I just thought I've it watched was, a couple clips and stuff. I got to get it. Yeah. Yeah, it was well done. It was well done. It's a good watch. So I've heard. The president seems really interesting. I feel like they took, from the clips I watched, I feel like they took uh, little bits, uh, little samples from uh, most of our recent presidents. A little bit of, little bit of Trump, yeah. a little bit of Bush, a little bit of Obama. Yep. Just kind of made it a perfect parody of some of the, the last eras That's played by Meryl Streep, of course. Right, of course. Which, which yeah. kind of threw a wrench in the, in the works as well. But mm-hmm. to your point, yes, I think it's all of it. And, and then, yeah, the, the, the Trump part, the fact that Jonah Hill is kind of the chief of staff, but he's the, the son of the president. Oh, you know, right, I thought was, right. And I like Jonah Hill, but he really played that role well, too. He's so. the perfect douche in that yeah, movie, the yeah. douche character. 
Yeah, I, I liked Jonah Hill. My favorite movie that he did was War Dogs. Another one of my favorite War movies Dogs of all time. Fantastic, such yeah. a good movie. I rewatched that again recently. It's, so good, it's so yeah. good. Especially if you're a gun guy, you know it's mm-hmm. it's a fun movie. But yeah, there's a lot of it's. I I never knew how many different contracts there were, you know, outside of the big boys. You and know, and I think a lot of that's been kind of scaled back since then, you know, yeah. since that time. Because that was like, oh, six, I think. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. It was now Maybe it was even earlier than that. It, it was definitely during the Bush presidency. But um, those guys found a loophole right. in, in a sense where. Yeah, there was a lot of fraud in the situation. They made a ton of money and they exploited, a, at, at least at the beginnings, it was, a, it was a great business idea. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, then what? they got a little bit too greedy. Yeah. So repackaging ammo maybe Oof, well yeah. see that's yeah. yeah but here's the craziest part of that whole story spoiler alert for war, war dogs no one has seen it they didn't pay the goddamn crew that yeah, was over you there gotta yeah. pay your people bro <laughs> that's what right? blew you gotta up pay your he made the call to the u.s government we never got paid it was like 80 grand yeah decide yeah that's it it's dropping the bucket for them that's what screwed it for them but good story true negligence on that yeah, one big time so man i i love what you do um i'm sure that You've done something in your in your day job that I use daily. Like I'm sure a lot of it's classified and like Lockheed and all this stuff. But like it, it's it's cool shit, man. Like you think about like how humanity has has grown and and become like this this top pinnacle species on this planet, and it's because of like technology and and being able to like do all these things. So. I think it's super awesome, man. I agree. And, and, and you've been there, what, like six, six years, you say? Six years, yeah. It'll be – it is now my – yeah, now that's crazy to think. Yeah, I just – I guess I just celebrated my six-year anniversary like last week. So when I started, it's it's been a lot of fun. And, um, I mean, I really – I think sometimes big companies kind of get a bad rap from engineers. They want to go do their old thing but or, or their own thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think I've worked in a smaller company before, but the dynamics of, of – the work environment can be very different, but at the same time, like, oh, I, I mean, I think in my in my own opinion, I think Lockheed has done a very good job of just adapting their work environment and you know having an understanding of work life balance. Um, well, you I mean, get you get every other Friday, right? It depends. It's okay. it's entirely dependent on the sector um, and just like the like for example, I, I I may have I may have that kind of schedule, but I. For example, I have a meeting this Friday. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, sometimes it is what it is, depending on how scattered off you are. And it, it, it just depends. Like, And you could argue – I mean, well, first of all, it's a good thing to have that work-life balance no matter what. You know, unless you go over to, the, over to SpaceX, then you're in the slave trade pretty much. That's oof, that's a whole nother uh, – that's a whole nother big of beef is uh, SpaceX. But, you know, that's my personal opinion. Well, we now know you don't, <laughs> you don't want to buy a Tesla. SpaceX, I'm starting to connect the dots here. Starting to okay, the I, dots. I get it. I get it. Yeah. No, Tesla has done some really interesting stuff. They have. And you got to remember that there's a huge difference between uh, the satellite industry and the rocket industry. Or more importantly, the stuff in space industry versus the getting things to yeah. space industry. And Musk and SpaceX have definitely, have, have definitely done a good job – of putting some ripples in the getting stuff to space um, industry, mm-hmm. and for better or worse, like take for example ULA United Launch Alliance this is a joint venture between Lockheed and Boeing, one of the many different rocket providers out there. Um, they had done, they have a very good mission success record, i.e., nothing blows up. They get their stuff yeah. to space, very good. You know they 
as I say, cross their Q's and dot their I's, if you will. <laughs> um, and, and that's been great. But in reality, there hasn't been a whole lot of innovation, right? You, have, you can optimize and make your rockets more efficient. And obviously, we've come a long way since the Apollo era. But there's, a, there's not a whole lot of true, just dynamic. I mean, again, it's like they've become better, but a rocket is still a rocket, right? It's mm. a single-use case filled with gas propellant or liquid nitrogen, liquid oxygen blows, goes to space, controlled explosion, gets there, gets it orbit, delivers the payload, done, falls back to Earth. So imagine you've got a rocket that all of a sudden can land itself and be used again. That's a because that's the whole thing that SpaceX is you know right known for is the fact that their rockets can deliver a payload to space and, and in most cases come right back. With I like to think, landing, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like to think of it as like conventional rockets are like bullets in a gun. You fire off, the casing comes flying out, you discard it. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> if instead the casing magically flew back into your gun and just got reloaded and yeah, you have another bullet. Or you, something You'd like have that. a bullet boomerang. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I think that's um, – and so it's it's – I think it's a good thing. I mean, I can hate on Musk and SpaceX a little bit, but like, it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air in terms of innovation. And of course, this is going to drive some competition mm -hmm. and innovation. But I mean, it is a good thing. The catch being is they don't have that sort of mission su success that a lot of legacy, in my opinion, a lot of legacy companies have. Right? They have lost a lot of payloads. I.e., I mean, the most famous one is probably the uh, uh, Facebook satellite that blew up on launch. For a while, they thought it was sabotage, and then they found the real cause, because of course it's not sabotage. Mm. But, um, <laughs> so that's the, that's the, it's the fail fast, improve quickly mentality versus, you know, you know slow, thorough checks. We don't lose, like, we don't lose payloads, we don't lose satellites like that, ever. Mm -hmm. And if it is, it's a big deal. Whereas SpaceX decides, well, let's just blow up a couple dozen rockets, figure out what's going wrong, and improve it. And it's completely perspective on your point of view, I, in my opinion, of just what what is better. I think they're starting to get the point of crossing of crossing that threshold, hmm. and um, and becoming you know improving their technology. And I mean, I think it's a good thing, but. Uh, but that's why, like, it's hard for me to hate on the, the whole billionaire launching rockets meme. Like, people can laugh at this and scoff that they're wasting and, you know, wasting fuel and, and all this kind of stuff. But I, I think this this innovation and this progression into the space, even and, and adaptation from military to commercial use, is a really important step in the industry. So that's that's my good. that's it that's my spiel on that. That's all. good insight though, man. That's <laughs> good is. insight for sure. Especially you know coming from someone that's in the business, we're just outsiders looking in. You grab another He's one? eyeballing yeah, a Bud sure. Light. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's good stuff, man. I mean, there's so many questions I could could ramble on with, and I think it's a fun topic because aerospace is important, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think the continuing to move the needle forward is a good thing because we just like we just discussed, it's such an essential piece of our daily operations. Yeah. You know, and we got to keep that operation moving forward. People do not realize how important uh, I think that's me being a little ignorant. I, I think it's very easy to overlook how important space technology is to your daily lives. Mm -hmm. Even as something as simple as polarized sunglasses 
came from the Apollo mission time or from the Apollo missions uh, or sorry research for the Apollo missions hmm. where they needed to find a better way to like shade them uh, shade uh, shade their helmets from the uh, harsh rays of just pure sunlight with no atmosphere right which like, is radioactive what, yeah exactly I mean and, yeah exactly you're fully exposed to yeah. radio um, radioactive in ultraviolet, rays, I imagine, all right? The, yeah, ultraviolet. I mean, the whole shebang. The only big one is that you're just completely exposed to gamma radiation or just any sort of any of the any of the big boys that um, cell that can, deforming. Yeah, yeah. Anything that can pierce through your body, you know, you have you have to deal with that in space. Wow. We have the ionosphere to you know think for that, which is ironic. Kind of a fun fact. Depending on the frequency that you use, cell phone cell phone frequency will pass through the ionosphere. But low frequency rays, like things that they use for ham radio operation, like FMAM, FMAM, or like Morse code, or like uh, ham radio operations, they're all low frequency, so they can bounce off the ionosphere. So they never exit into space. Instead, they bounce off, which is a good thing because then you can go up, come back down, and now all of a sudden you can reach another continent. Right. You know. So it's 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 just it's it's phenomenal stuff. It is. Yeah, I like hearing about it. And that's, I think that's why my question I asked you earlier about the ionosphere, I had it in my mind that that's where a lot of this radio technology existed. But now you've just elaborated on it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That cell frequency is now pierced through that. Your AM, FM, basic, I think even XM. I don't know if they're up in that, that range. XM is, a sa- is satellite. Okay. So now they're starting to transmit out. But they're still, they're broadcasting in a, like continents at a time. Yeah. So it's, yeah, like it's it's all, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just, you know, what fits the purpose. Before mm-hmm. we wanted to use low frequency because it made sense. Now we want to pierce into space because we're going, you know, we want to get a frequency. We want to get information to orbit, transmit it over, and it's just faster than, you know, Morse code. Damn. So. It's crazy to see the inner workings of it, you know, pulling back the layers and seeing how it all works. It's the type of stuff I like to learn on here, man. No, it's super cool. And, and like, it's um, it's humbling, too, because, like, you, you think about even just discussion combustion and us putting it out on the Internet and, like, you know, because the internet, like YouTube, sure, they have like their database, but they probably like, okay, so for the internet, is all that done through cables underneath the ocean or is that done through space too? Because I know they have satellite internet and like all this other stuff. Like it's, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel really dumb think, uh, saying this. I don't entirely know. I mean, it's both. So you have the, uh, it, there's, a, there's an official name for this. I just refuse to pull out my phone for it. It's like the Atlantic. Transatlantic, no, that's the Transatlantic Commission. It's, it's anti-shark biting cables. Yeah, it's just like thick cables that are lined across the yeah. sea floor in the Atlantic and connects most of North America and Europe. Um, you can do to answer your question. There is that. That's what's done in the old times and like. Um, alternatively, you can go. We'll call it just generic uplink uh, cell phone tower. Uh, global satellite phone, satcom, GPS, whatever, just some sort of generic uplink, AK signal going into the sky. Okay. All right. Hits generic satellite, relays over to another satellite, and then downlink back to its target point. Okay. So, cell phone example, cell phone, um, cell phone, cell tower, uplink to satellite, over to other satellite, downlink to cell tower to the user, to right? The cell. Okay. Sometimes it can be the same satellite. It takes the message, yeah. relays it, points in just a slightly different angle. Now it doesn't like manually just like, you know, but digitally <laughs> has like multiple antennas to do okay. that. Um, and then comes back down. That's the gist of it. And that works, right? It's all dependent on the use and like what it is. For example, stock trading 
international stock trading is going to use the cables or used to at least because that was the, it had the lowest latency, the least delay of mm. information which for stock trading or when millions of dollars on the line, you know, that's everything, right? But that's something that Starlink, I'm going through space talks, uh, aims to reduce down is like instead they can offer a faster way instead of these C cables across, they can do an uplink and just zip it across with something called laser, laser com. Um, and then back down faster than this sucker can travel through these undersea cables. And that, like, it, I mean, they claim that it's a reduction of latency of, like, 30% or something. I don't know wow. the exact numbers. But that's a that's a humongous deal. Oh, yeah. We're talking about, like, in economy and, like, stock trading on the international level. That's a, that's a yeah, it's a tremendous uh, benefit to the consumer. Yeah, that's a huge advantage. So to put it in perspective about how long does it take to transfer information through the sea cable, just, just I mean <sighs> – Time frame wise, rough ballpark. Like, I don't three know. minutes. I don't know. No, you can almost you can get halfway to Mars in three minutes. It's like okay. six minutes to relay something there. Uh, it's. I don't know. It can take like fractions like, well, of a second. Like, like they say in the streets, it's Hell damn it, fast. Yeah, it's damn <laughs> I don't know. I honestly so, don't know. I mean, we're talking like, like you can. I mean, think about it. You can have a. I can have a conversation with my relatives off of Wi-Fi in Iceland right now, and it's near real time. Yeah, that's so true. we're still like all this is talking, fra- yeah, fractions of seconds to get across. So if the C cable is say half a second transmission, now with the what was it called the laser? Yeah, like Lasercom through Starlink or any sort of kind of Amazon is doing a similar thing called Project Hyper. Okay, um, you can you know you're talking half a second instead, maybe it's a um, a third of a second, a third twentieth of a second, okay. something like that. Huh. Oh. And that reduction in information doesn't seem seem that significant until you realize, like we're talking, you know, we're talking gigabytes of information, terabytes of stuff being transferred. It's, it's 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 amazing to think you about know. how much information is being uploaded and downloaded at once oh, yeah. around the world. It's just incredible. That is crazy. Yeah. And, and now, and with that kind of technology, now it's going to be expanded globally. Imagine being in a world maybe twenty years. I wouldn't be surprised. This is a little bit ambitious of me to think, but like. There's a part of me that believes that in 20 years from now, maybe even less, like I can go around anywhere in the most continental U.S. and I'll have just a Wi-Fi signal in a sense. Hell, I mean, I have 5G right now and I pretty much have Wi-Fi wherever I'm going. Yeah. You know, we're already kind of there. Yeah. That's the idea is expanding that to anywhere else. And there's a lot of benefits to, um, you know, poor communities throughout the world that can benefit a lot from that as well. The only shitty part is that it's going to make ground-based – telescopic it's going to make it shitty to use ground-based telescopes mm. <laughs> cuz they are going to have all this shit in the sky yep yep and the exposure huh. is long enough that you just get these tiny little bits of reflection of light off this this grid of satellites eventually when it's done. I don't I don't like that idea it kind of sucks it's of having nuts. a grid around the earth like it's, right? it's it, like rush hour in the sky yeah, I don't hey know. pick your poison man you want global wi-fi or you want a bunch of satellites you can only have one I don't know man I feel like I feel like all <laughs> tech, or, and the have technology a bunch of satellites or you don't get it sorry yeah I feel like technology is is is, is it's, it's a blessing and a curse yeah, really. it's like, it's oh, like yeah. passing the line of being you know a tool and we're starting to get used by it mm. sort of thing. But kind of good segue. If you did have one piece of advice to offer humanity to, to help everybody be better tomorrow, what would that one piece of advice be? Buy some dude wipes. 
Oh, man. For all of humanity, that's a broad question. I don't know. Drink more water? You know, get your vitamin <laughs> C in you? I, I Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll def, I will def, I will deflect the question, and if you don't mind, or I'll narrow it down to just engineering students in general. Because okay. I still get calls from my university asking to, for me to donate some money, and they're always students. <laughs> and they ask my advice, and I know they're just pandering to me on it, but I've gotten very good at giving them advice on it. Okay, so, so we're, we're instead of giving humanity a piece of advice, you're giving. Yeah. Engineer students. I think that's as good a as piece I can of advice. Get. I okay. don't really know what. No, else still to that's say. a huge. That's, that's a, a huge portion. Let's yeah. go. I think that if you're if you're an engineering student, um, and you're going to do your second year, uh, you're going to be in a situation that the only real way that you're going to pass through your classes and have fun with it is if you actually feel like you have a purpose in what you're doing. Uh, I used to be a terrible student, actually. I I, I went into chemical engineering. Um, and I sucked it. I failed out. Um, and yeah, part of it was obvious. I was a shit student. I didn't even like party that much. I just played video games and dicked around. I wasn't a good student, but like a bigger part of it was that I didn't actually care about, I didn't know why I was getting into this. I had no real fundamental reason of like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing chemical engineering? Mm. I have no clue what I want to do with this. I have mm. no drive going with it. And that became clear after I failed. Like I got good graces from my parents. I was fortunate enough to do that and went and tried again and still failed a couple classes, even though I tried. And the reality was, is I was not trying. I had the false perception that, oh, I'm doing the best I can. But in reality, the motivation was not there. Mm -hmm. I had to be honest with myself about, do I actually care about doing this? Because the money, even if you go through, the money's not worth it. You know, the money's good. But, I mean, who cares what it is? Nothing's worth it if, if you're not happy. If you're not enjoying well, yourself, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? And I've had, a, I've had a few friends, good friends, very smart friends that have dropped out of engineering, not even school, after they got a career. Because, like, no, I just, this sucks. I hate it. And so my turnaround point, and I guess what I want to, what I would offer to anyone that happens to be listening to this that's also in college right now, um, my turnaround point was, was thinking about what I actually wanted to do. And at the time it was renewable energies. And my perspective of electrical engineering at the time was that it was harder and it was gonna be shittier. But I, I felt like I like, would have a purpose. It was wind energy in particular that captivated me at the time. And yeah, I went into it. I got a better group of friends and I realized that later, yeah, I don't wanna get into wind energy. But I found another. I found another passion. I found another piece of interest, and that's what carried me through. Even though it required harder classes, even though I had to take different classes that my friends were not in. Mm. The fact, the simple fact of I had an underlying, and of course, I'm not expecting people to jerk off to their study material or like that. It's a, you know, work is sometimes still work. Studying is still studying. The grind is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. But like when you feel like you know what your end goal is, even if it changes and don't be afraid to change it, it makes all the difference to establishing a good career in this industry. And that's it personally, that's why I'm happy with my choice. That's why I love what I do. Um, and that's my big my big advice to engineering students is make sure you feel like you have a passion for what you're doing, you have a mission. Why do you care about this? And then don't be afraid to pivot from that. If you're gonna do something, if, if you find something that catches your interest, people do it all the time. 
and they do twice as fast when they're young. Mm -hmm. So like, don't be afraid to change your subject. And at the same time, there's always a life outside of academia. Don't force yourself to do something that you hate. Yeah. Solid advice. And I think it circles back to how we kind of opened the app about not being complacent, right? Exactly. Just because just you got a degree in something or you went to study, you know, like you said, you know, chemical engineering, you said, you know, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you're going to stay complacent and just do it because you've committed to it. You go, wait a minute, I'm going to make a change. It's okay to do that, I feel like. Recognize that, hey, this isn't going to work for me. I want to do something that actually excites me, that gives me a sense of purpose to get out of bed every day. Exactly. Right? Solid advice, man. I'm with you. Yeah, for I think sure. that's good advice for humanity, too. Like, you completely <laughs> – you had it all there. I mean – It was all there. Know, just limited down to do, – Do something limited that, down to that makes you students. feel good. Like, if, if – look, it's, it's hard. It's hard nowadays. Like, we have all these expectations from society, all these – expectations from our family what we need to do how much money we need to make like we need to have houses all this other stuff but it's like at the end of the day like are you enjoying your time because that's that's what we'll never get back is today mm -hmm. we'll never get today again and and if you spent today hating what you're doing then and, and you're not changing it like you know that's that's the difficult thing is is to evoke change and and be comfortable being uncomfortable right. like that's that's really the thing is because like too easily we all fall into our own our own ruts our own uh habits and and it's just you're just living your day it's happening to you and let's break that chain Let, let's let's not just fall into the job that we think we should have let's fall into the job that we love to have you know, and and, that, and that's difficult to find because we all need to make a paycheck. Maybe you do the job that you don't love to have. To get uh, to the one you want. Yes, yeah. so right, that you right. can work toward and, and fund the thing that you want to do. Exactly. So I feel like that's great advice to humanity. Um, <laughs> man, and what a pleasure getting to see you again, man. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, it really is a full circle. Yeah. I mean, this, is, this is a fun little... Little uh, dream come true thing to check off my uh, life box box list. I've I've always wanted to do something like this, and I hope it was as fun for you guys as it was. For oh, me. I learned so much, man, and I just I, I love sitting down and learning things every week, and that's sure. that's my favorite part about doing this. Meeting great people, you know. I, I crossed the queue tonight, right? Yeah, so. cross the queue. No one's crossing T's anymore up in this bitch. It's all crossing queues. <laughs> that was now. a game changer, right? Diagonal crossing the queues. It's fine. That's just how it goes. Yeah, it was solid, man, and we love to have you know repeat guests, of course. Yeah, you're I coming back in here. Uh, I, I, I think it. we have a new friend, so we're probably going to drink some more beers off air, of course. Yes. You know, time's flying. We're already an hour and a half into this app. This is a, this is a juicy one, man. Yeah, this, this was fun. We had fun today. We, we had a good did. time, man. <laughs> we did, man. It's a lot of fun. We had to, and you know what the best part about doing all this is? The other thing I love? Not one of us has touched our phones for the last hour and a half. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. We just sit down and have a nice conversation. Mm-hmm. And we're going to keep doing that. We're keeping this train rolling next week. I forget who our guest is, but it's going to be a good one. Yeah, the guest is going to be awesome. Look, the conversations are awesome. But what's mo most important is treat yourself awesome. Like, fuck all this black mirror bullshit sucking up my damn day. Dude, I'm so fucking sick of it. Like, let's, let's pick up a purpose this week. This is the challenge. Put down the phone. Fucking... Put your feet into motion. Make something happen. Do your laundry. Clean out your fucking closet. D study something. Read a book if you've been... Anything but looking at the fucking pointless scroll. God damn. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed at myself because I'm susceptible to this. And I am still. And I do fuck up still. But, like, that's the challenge this week. Is, is let's put the phone down. Let's face the boredom of our own thoughts. Because guess what? If you are bored... When you don't have input,
then you don't even fucking know yourself. So let's let's get to know ourselves deeply, intimately, and then that's when we'll be able to find true happiness and put that bullshit job, whatever it is, onto the side because we're no longer being complacent. That's the challenge for the week. I, I, I actually I, forgot what the challenge was. All right, I'm really sorry. It's it's okay. It's okay. We can we can play it back. It's, yep. the, it's the put down the phone. Put down the phone. Put down right. the phone yeah, and do yeah. something more productive with that time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, while also applying the five second rule, this is one we got to do every week. And the ten minute rule, like I talked about last week with Chad Hattersbeck, has been such a crucial tool in my life. To echo that again for people that haven't heard it yet, put 10 minutes on your clock, a countdown timer, and see how much you can get done around the house. Start the dishes. Do some vacuuming. Start a load of laundry. Give yourself that 10 minutes. You don't know how – I mean, you know, don't talk yourself out of it, right? We talked about this. The 10-minute rule has changed my life, and I hope it changes yours as well. Darius, what a great podcast, man. Thanks for being here. It's been a pleasure to uh, see you guys. All right, good to see you again. Good to meet you, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. This was great, man. We're going to drink a couple Love more beers yeah, off we're, air. We're going to pound a couple more of these bad boys. <laughs> Everybody out there, be good to yourselves. You know you deserve it. We'll see you soon. Take care, everyone. <laughs>